This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, here we are on a Wednesday, back on the practice field. The players go. They're back at it as we speak, about 50 yards from where we sit here on the set of One Bills Live at One Bills Drive in Orchard Park. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you as always, and ready to roll into week two. Bills will be the last game of week two, as we know, on Monday night in Buffalo's home opener, where we are expecting an electric atmosphere. 30 games between the last game the Bills played and the next one. Yeah, they played the first one in week one and the last one in week two. No, so. the second to the last one. There's a Oh, that's right. The staggered header. Monday night. Daggone it. Gotcha. Yes, we teed off at 720. The next one's at 815 or 8 Yeah, a staggered like. start, if staggered you will. Staggered start um, for whatever reason. Whatever. It's fine. I don't. It's fine. It's fine. So I'm okay with it. Whatever. Uh, the Bills do have some news regarding their roster. Bills practice updates are presented by LECOM, Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. And there was a transaction in the morning in which Prince Amelie, the defensive tackle, who was with the club as an undrafted rookie free agent through the course of the spring, the summer, and then did not make the final 53-man roster or the practice squad. He was added to the practice squad this morning, and to make room for him, the team released practice squad ride receiver Tanner Gentry. And at that moment, the wheels started turning in my head, knowing that Ed Oliver came out of the week one game with an ankle injury. You wonder if Prince Emilie's added to the practice squad. They already have two guys on the practice squad who are defensive tackles. Could that mean a call-up could be happening at the end of the week? And then we find out from head coach Sean McDermott, whose comments you'll hear in full in about 28 minutes or so when we bring you his press conference that he had just before practice started. He explains that not only will Ed Oliver not practice today coming off the ankle injury in week one, but Tim Settle is not practicing today either. So two of Buffalo's top four defensive tackles, not part of the practice equation right now, Coach McDermott said they will take it day to day, and we'll have to see where they are at the end of the week. The benefit here is Ed Oliver gets almost 10, 12 days right. to get that ankle right before he has to try to play again. So we'll see where he is in four or five days and whether or not he has an opportunity to play. We don't know the nature of Tim Settle's injury. We know he was dealing with a hamstring problem through the course of training camp in the preseason, whether it is that injury again, we do not know. We'll have firm answers on that when the injury report is released later this afternoon. So we'll keep our ear to the ground on that, but neither of those two guys practicing. And I would say, Steve, if you asked me who would be the first call-up from the practice squad at the defensive tackle position, it would probably be Brandon Bryant sure. over C.J. Brewer. Brandon Bryant's played in regular season games for this team over the past couple of seasons. I thought he had a magnificent preseason. I thought he was making a, a hard charge for a roster spot on what is a very deep roster at that position that made a lot of investments in free agency. So Brandon Bryant isn't a bad guy to turn to. But there is the concern if there was ever a week where you wanted to be fully healthy at the defensive tackle position, <laughs> this might be it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You can't think you're going to go in with a crippled defensive tackle position and beat the running game of the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Derrick Henry ran the ball 20 times last week. I think that was 
a little bit anemic for what they would they want him 25 times a game there's just no question about it right I mean so I would say that there's no question you need to be healthy up front and I think as much as anything, that makes you take a deep breath and go, okay, here we go, because it's going to be a long game in that regard. Those guys have got to hold up down inside. Right, and so right now on the practice field, you do not have two of your top four defensive tackles. One of the biggest reasons Tim Settle is here is because of his run-stuffing ability. I still think Ed Oliver is a little underrated as a run defender because most people see him as a penetrator, get-to-the-passer kind of interior presence. He's pretty good against the run as well. Um It'd be nice to have at least one of those guys back in the fold. Uh, if you're missing both of them, you're, you get thin in a hurry. Yeah. And then you might have to make – you might have to call up two DTs. Right. I mean – On and, Monday and, night. Well, yeah, you can, can only play, you know, so many at a time. Um, you could see – I could see a uh, scenario where if they were healthy, Ed Oliver's healthy, um, Settle's healthy, Daquan Jones, um, and uh, the rest – Jordan Phillips. Jordan Phillips, having like four of those guys up there at a time, two of them playing defensive end. Phillips lined up at the defensive end against the Rams a couple of snaps yeah. just to go big, you know, in a in a real rundown uh, situation. Wouldn't but, you just bounce that if you're Derrick Henry, though, knowing you're probably quicker to the corner than a defensive tackle lining up at end? Well, you got to plan for that, you know. I mean, okay. you got – yeah, so – it depends on what his chart, what the guy's charge is about it. You know what his angle is, where where he's coming out, what his gap is. So yeah, but I, just to bear up against it. But now you can bet they're gonna, yeah, they're gonna change up their rotation. No question about yeah, it. We'll I think to, you're right though. Brandon Bryant's the guy I would think. Yeah, we'll have to see how the practice week plays out. Hopefully, one of those two guys, if not both, get back on the practice field by the time we get to the end of the week, and. Maybe the extra day on the back end playing Monday night helps to make a difference. They had three extra days on the front end after playing Thursday, and they're still not on the practice field. So yeah, it's, it's hopefully been, you can get them back. Also, it's been a little bit vague about what his injury is. Did he roll his ankle? Did he, you know, is it a foot? You know, it's an ankle, they said. So, okay, is it a high ankle sprain? Is it just a, did he roll it? Did he twist it? Did he sprain it? What, I mean, what are we looking at here? And if it gets to the Monday, and he's pretty close, you know, they'll just give it some treatment, you know, give it a needle. And so it's a little bit more comfortable. And, you know, it's nothing to be afraid of, but, you know, they can get him ready to play. Yeah. So we'll see. So Titans at Bills. Bills currently a 10-point favorite for the Monday that's, night game. Is that crazy to you? It's a little little fat, it, I think. I, it's I a think little that's, fat. Is that an overreaction Monday line? It might be. Still here on um, Wednesday? I, I do think the Titans are not the same team they've been the last few years, but I don't know if they've fallen off that precipitously. Does so, does Settle and Oliver move the move number the line? They could. It would. I kind of would. For they me. could. It kind of would for me. In light of what we think the Bills have to do to stop the Titans, for sure. If it gives Tennessee two more third down conversions on short yard, you know what I mean? Yeah. If they you know they go lighter up there, or they're just not as good up there. And that gives Tennessee two more third down conversions for the game. You know, yeah, that, that translates somewhere along the line, you know? And that's a big number. Right. By the way, this week's game sponsor is Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield of Western New York, the official health plan of the Buffalo Bills. We mentioned yesterday that the Titans plays defensive end Deshaun Hand 
on injured reserve. They also added defensive back A.J. Moore. So already the Titans without Harold Landry, their top pass rusher, but Deshaun Hand, A.J. Moore also going IR early this week. So they're filling in holes on their side of the ledger as well. We're going to be talking to former Titan safety Blaine Bishop, who now does a radio show down there in Nashville and covers the Titans. We'll get the uh, info from him on what the vibe is like after they were upset by the New York Giants in their home opener last week. You have to believe that the Bills are going to be squaring up against a pretty ornery Titans team that does right. not want to start the season 0-2. Yeah, you're going to get the best shot. They're going to come in. No, they're you know a little bit desperate, no question about it. Um, we'll just see. Tannehill's still there. Derek Henry's still there. And they've still got a pretty salty defense and that head coach that you know you and I both have a lot of respect for. So we'll see. Uh, but I, I think it's a real – I think, it's, I think that you're going to get their best swing and they're going to be a little bit desperate. And I think it affects your play calling when you're a desperate coaching staff. It could. It could. It certainly could. I would say the weapons aren't as dangerous as they have been in years past. No more Julio Jones. No more A.J. Brown. I mean, John o. Smith's been gone for a couple of years. Uh, they did pick up Austin Hooper, the tight end, in free agency. Kind of helped them with the short to intermediate passing game. Robert Woods is still a good, you know, possession-type receiver. Uh, and Traylon Burks is learning on the fly, as is fifth-round pick Kyle Phillips. So uh, there are they're trying to blend it together, but it's early in the season, and it's not going to be airtight, uh, as they don't have the same kind of continuity, particularly at the skill positions that the Bills have. So right. we'll see if that plays a factor as well. Time to go around the NFL, though, which is presented by Collider Health, the official health care system of the Buffalo Bills. And Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett, Steve, admitted, quote, we definitely should have gone for it on their critical fourth down Monday night against the Seahawks. Well, I'm glad he came around to it 24 hours later after watching the film. Yeah, and I, you wonder what kind of effect the backlash after the game had on him. Would he? I mean, because obviously, when with the one thing doesn't work, you would have should have done the other. Okay, fine. You know, it's easy enough to say it. Did he address it because of the backlash? And certainly, he was questioned about it, so he had to answer. And if you answer no, I would have done the same thing again. Well, you're a goober because you're not going to do the same thing again, knowing you failed. Uh, you're a goober. Also, too, this just in. Somebody, and I, I, I've said this a ton. I want to talk to Matt, Matt Smiley about this, Bill's defensive, I mean, uh, special teams coordinator. You get into that fourth down, you got a guy lining up for a 64-yarder, and you're going to ice the kicker. You need to tell your defensive rush team, the Seahawks in this case, you say, listen, we're going to ice him. When they blow the whistle, you come off the ball and don't let that guy have a practice swing at this. To me, it's inexcusable that guy missed two of those kicks in a row. He missed that thing, and it hooked right to left outside. you got to tell it, listen, hit it at the right upright, and it'll hook in. He hits it down the middle again, it hooks out again. That, to me, is inexcusable. The guy had the leg for that. The guy had the leg for that. And if I'm, and that's what, you see it all the time now, 
teams are icing the kicker. If I'm going to ice the kicker, never, ever, ever let that guy have a practice kick. These guys are NFL kickers. Yeah, call the timeout before he kicks it. Before they line up, yes. Do not let that guy snap the ball and do not let him kick the ball. In fact, get an edge. Because if we're going to ice him and they blow the whistle short, you come off the ball, go through there, and you rough that guy up a a hair. You you don't knock him over any of that stuff, but you got to get into his face and talk some smack. Yeah, you intimidate that guy, right? That you can't let him have a free kick like that. That I can't believe the Denver kicker missed two in a row like that. I know it's sixty-four yards. He's got the leg. It's not like he has to kick it further. Just aim at the aim at the right upright. It's gonna hook. You're a right-footed kicker. The thing's gonna hook. Well, and if it doesn't hook, that you're just inside the right upright, it's good. If it hooks, you're still good. That's why they're two of forty-two from sixty-four plus in the history of the NFL. You never let that guy have a practice kick. Too much margin ever. for error. That's cr- I can't believe Seattle won that game, despite the the miscue from Nate Hackett for not going for it on fourth and five. I do give him credit for saying, uh, "Yeah, should have done should have done the other thing." So. The numbers said he should, did not. So it's you not put your quarter of a billion dollar quarterback on the bench in fourth and five. Here's why. Say, for instance, it's 45%, which is about what it was, maybe a little more, 45% fourth and five getting it. Well, you think, okay, well, that's how you should, why you should have done it. Well, that, no, it's 45% of getting it. Then you have the percentage of the field goal to follow that's mixed in there. So it's 45% followed by 50%. Well, it's still got to be better than two for 42. That's exactly right. So, Even so. That's why I come down on that side of the ledger with that, but that's already in the rearview mirror. But you're right. I mean, if you're, as a head coach, you gain a little bit of, of respect back for saying, you know what, you're right. It's my first game, and I was not prepared for that moment, or I, I blew that moment. We should have done something different. And we're going to work on it because – comes out you know what i mean just own it because you ain't getting away with it yeah don't uh pretend you know all the answers especially as a first year head coach because there are going to be situations that come up that you just don't get right nobody's perfect and that was an instance there in his very first game uh hot rod rodrigo blankenship no longer a member of the indianapolis colts uh, I did a little digging on Rodrigo Blankenship, Steve, who has been with the Colts since he signed as an undrafted rookie free agent in 2020 out of Georgia. Pretty accomplished college kicker. And since his rookie year, his field goal percentage has gone down precipitously. He was 86.5% field goal kicker as a rookie, then dropped down to 78.6% last year. This year, granted, just one game, two of three for 66% success rate. Um, I don't know if, he's got, if he got the yips or what happened, but that is, that is a pretty precipitous drop from year one to year two, 86.5 to 78.6. Yeah. Um, he did only play in five games last year because he was injured. So – Maybe, you know, not kicking every day contributes to the drop-off there. 
But the Colts have a couple of players in to replace him as the kicker. They're both on the practice squad right now. They'll work all week, and then they'll elevate one to be their kicker on Sunday um, against Jacksonville. One of them is Chase McLaughlin, who spent some time with them either last season or the season before and spent time here uh, as a kicking option back when Stephen Hauschka was here. So Chase McLaughlin still bouncing around. I liked him as a kicker, so I'm kind of rooting for Chase a little bit. Uh, hope he gets the job there. Yeah, I'm neither here nor there. I'm, you know, it takes a long time to earn some respect as a kicker. I think Tyler Bass is even is still striving for that around the league. He's still a young kicker in his second year. He's been year. pretty damn good, though. He has been very good, but you know what? He wouldn't be mentioned in a lot of people's it's radar. His third year, actually. That's right. It, it wouldn't even be on most people's radar as a really good kicker. It takes a long time to get entrenched, and like a lot of team, like a team itself, it takes time for people around the league to see you playing and get like the Thanksgiving games and. Monday night or Thursday night of last week, Monday night this week in the primetime games. A kicker um, is one of the guys. It takes a long time to get recognized by anybody other than your own fan base. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, Bass, 82.4% kicker is rookie year, 87.5% last year. So he went up from year one to year two and perfect this year on his lone field goal opportunity from uh, 41 yards in week one. So certainly hope that continues for him, but it doesn't take long. You get, you get hooked out of there, and all of a sudden you don't have a job and you're bouncing around. Pretty crazy. Um, did you see this, Andy Reid, talking about the turf in Arizona contributing to two injuries that his players suffered in the week one game against the Cardinals down in Glendale? It is a grass field that is comes in on a conveyor belt for the games, and then they roll it out under one of the end zone sections of the stadium outside so it can get sunlight because it's a dome stadium yeah, there in Arizona because of the heat. I've, I've seen it. It's a, it's a giant conveyor belt. It's it, like it's well, I don't know if it's a or they wheel belt it out wheels or what. It's on big trays and they fit together so they can actually take it apart, put a fresh piece of grass into a spot, and put it back together if they have worn air, worn areas. But what it is, it, it's it's pretty cool. They roll it out in one big piece, and outside the stadium, there's a huge paddock sort of thing down. It's it's a, a, a big pit that is big, flat, has concrete sides and sloped and everything like a, like a kind of artificial lake with nothing in it, and it rolls right out into that. And, in fact, when they roll the field in there, that's where they put the production trucks for the game. They put them right in that paddock where the mm. field usually is. And then those guys clear out. They bring the field back out, let it get the sunlight. It's <laughs> okay. It's, yeah. I get it. But it's, it's NASA level stuff, but it's got to present some problems. I wonder how well, yeah, the field holds up um, because obviously Andy Reid wasn't happy with it. Trent McDuffie, their rookie corner, got put on IR. He's going to miss at least four games now with a knee injury, and they had a second player that suffered an injury whose name's escaping me right now, but two players injured in their week one game, and Andy Reid is blaming it on the turf at State Farm Stadium right. uh, in Arizona. So we'll see if that uh, gets examined any closer in terms of you know what their field conditions are. You know if there are enough complaints that the league 
will be prompted to look into it by the Players Association, well, especially if, it, if they deem it to be a health and safety issue. And it, the you know, Super Bowl's being played there. So they'll want to get that thing exactly right. That's right. The Super Bowl is there this so, year. You are 100% correct. So that's it's, it's going to be ongoing. Um, they play the you know, Chiefs play the Ravens. Um, yeah, that those guys are completely off the you can't even you can't even find their names on the on the they're, yeah. they're done for the season. So there's that. Um I, I don't think anything's gonna come of it, not after one week, unless two other guys go down this week or the next time they play on that field. I I can't see it happening, especially in light of the fact that the Cardinals themselves haven't lost anybody and they're playing on it every single home game. So who knows what to expect there. Uh with respect to the Bills and the matchup this week. Things change dramatically for Buffalo's defensive line in terms of what they need to stop. And as we said, we'll have Coach McDermott's comments after our first break in the show about 10, 12 minutes from now. But after a pass rush that exceeded expectations last week against Matthew Stafford, that defensive front has to prove they can stop the run now. And while I will say this, Steve, I think Greg Rousseau is a good edge defender. Um, Von Miller certainly is an underrated edge defender because he's known for his pass rush exploits. I, I was not concerned initially about the defensive tackle contingent, but with the possibility of Settle and Oliver, who are dinged and not practicing today, not being part of the equation, suddenly my concern level goes up a bit. Yeah, absolutely. You need big bodies down there, and certainly Jordan Phillips is a dude. I mean, he's and he's highly motivated. And how highly motivated, you know, is he going to be? He better uh, be highly motivated yeah. to play more snaps than he did last week. Right. Uh, I know some of them have – there's been some stuff going on back and forth in social media already uh, between Taylor Lewan and Jordan Phillips and, and Shaq and those guys. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be a – Save it for the game. Might get a little chippy. Right. Which, personally – I don't like to see that because that's how guys get hurt. Like something happens after the play, it's not even during the play, and some guy gets injured, or you know, there's some illegal chop block. They take the 15-yard penalty, but now you don't have a player for the rest of the game. Like, I don't need to see any of that stuff. Um, but I think we, I think it's safe to say we should anticipate a rock'em sock'em type game where it looks like a rock fight out there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it could. It could devolve into that kind of a game. Maybe. That's how Tennessee that, yeah. likes to play. They yeah, like they to do. muck it up. They they do. They're not a fr- and plus they're a team that is really really akin and accustomed to playing in close games too, because of the style of offense that they play. Even you know take last last week for an example, you got to feel like they in the first half they got to feel like they should have been up twenty four to nothing, and it was it was only thirteen it was thirteen nothing. nothing. Um, so because of that, you got to think, okay, they're okay with that. Well, six of their 12 victories last year were by three or fewer points. They had five wins by three points and another by two points. Half of their wins came in field goal games. Ball bounces that, that, funny, They just man. feel comfortable there. Yeah, the, exactly. The ball bounces funny, and you got to be ready for that. And they're, they're accustomed to it. Uh, some teams are not. Some teams are not good in close games. Yeah, they grip a little. They, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Titans are not one of them. Because they're playing there every week, it yeah, seems. So they that's, don't have – because of their style of offense, they don't have the capability of pulling away from opponents unless their opponent completely lays an egg or has five turnovers. Right. Um, you know, they run the football, and so stacking up points quickly is something they just don't do. And so, as a result, even if their defense is playing well, they find themselves in tight ball games. So having been in those kinds of games for the better part of the last four or five years, when the game is tight, they're cool as a cucumber. I mean, they don't waver at all. They just keep on grinding and keep on playing. And even though there is a 10-point spread on this game, you wonder, like, there is a possibility that it could be a grinded-out kind of game. Now, if the Bills are on and their defense is keeping that run game of Derrick Henry in check, well, yeah, then the Bills could – could approach that, you know, 10-point spread number that Vegas has on them right now. Right. But short of that, it, it could be a nip-and-tuck game, at least for a while. It's going to be. Titans I just, don't I just usually let teams it. pull away from them. Yeah, I'm, I'm – yes, that's exactly right. You usually don't get up double digits on those guys. And, and I'll say this, they are – like everybody is. I mean, I don't know if the Bills are or not. I mean, the Bills have, have been there. Ten points down early in the game, the Bills are like, eh, we'll be, you know, we just got to get a stop here. We'll be, you know, to kind of. And the Titans, I don't think feel like that. I think that's where they're, like, listen, we, we can't, we got to get a stop here. We can't let them go up yeah. ten points. We cannot let them get up ten points. If they get a field goal here, we're done. You know, I, I got to feel like they, that's where they're uncomfortable. Like, like every team should be. Yeah. But I just don't think they got the horses. Well, yeah, they're not a come from behind team. If it's 10 points or more, that's they, a mountain for them. They, and it's hard to envision it happening for obvious reasons. And they're, they're built to make sure that it doesn't happen. But they're, they got their hands full keeping the Bills off the scoreboard. I mean, I, you got to think they know this is gonna game that's going to get into the high 20s, maybe 30s. And they're going to have to hang in there with them. Yeah. The Bills did it, they did it to the Bills last year. And, you know, Josh slips on the quarterback sneak on the conversion. The fourth down conversion. It's a close game, but it's it was up there. I don't know that this version of the Titan defense and this version of the Buffalo offense isn't going to be like 30 points way earlier in the game. It's possible. It's certainly possible. We have to take a break here when we return. Head coach Sean McDermott addressed the media prior to practice today. We will have those comments for you next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you here on a Wednesday. Time for us, though, to turn now to head coach Sean McDermott, who addressed the media prior to practice today. No. Yeah, we'll just take it one day at a time. We'll see where it goes here. Uh, all right, so if you, don't, if you may not have Oliver, obviously it's a big loss trying to stop Derrick Henry, who you have struggled with the last couple of years. What's, what has to happen, Sean, that maybe can prevent him from dominating the game the way he has in the past? Yeah, well, he's an elite player. Um, he's hard to stop. 
uh, and it hasn't just been uh, our defense. Uh, you know, they've. I'll give them credit. They have a elite player there, and and uh, they use them well. And um, so we have to uh, do a, do a better job of controlling the line of scrimmage. Uh, and uh, sometimes that takes 11 guys to do that. And in this case, with with uh, with Henry, um, uh, he didn't get as many touches this past week as he usually gets. And so. Um, uh, we'll see where that goes this week with their plan, but uh, he's an elite, elite player for a reason, and, and he's hard to stop. I'm sorry. What is injury? Uh, uh, ankle. Do you reflect? Does the memory of what, how last season's game at Tennessee, you know, still kind of sting as you watch back tape, knowing that you were that close to to winning the game? Uh, you know, we're really focused on on this game um, this week. Um, that said, you, you remember things from every season that you carry with you, highs and lows, and um, you know. But it is—it's a game of inches. That's what this game is. It's—you uh, got to expect a close game every week, and, and that's what we expect this week. They're a good, good football team, and uh, um, number one seed in the AFC last year. So, when you look at the margins of victory, you've—you've you've been able to win by large margins, including what happened last week. Is there any relative concern going back to last season, and I know it was last season, your own five in games decided by seven points or less. Is that is that any level of concern, or maybe do you, would you be able to pinpoint what's that, what that might be a reflection of? Yeah, I don't think the past is a predictor of the future. Um, if you go back two years, we were four and one, or five and two, whatever it was. So, um, so. Um, it's one season at a time, one week at a time, in this case, one game at a time. And we put a lot of work into um, playing well in close games, which we did last week in terms of when that game was close, we played our best football, which I'm extremely proud of the guys for that. And, um, and, and I think that's something that, that comes through um, every season. That's what you want to see is playing well in close games. We did that last week. It'll be another close game this week. Yeah, good football coach. Um, you know, he's done a great job. Uh, him and John uh, together building that building that team down there and, and their culture. And um, you know, I think they've been to the playoffs almost, if not every year, just about every year since since they've been there. And um, they've got a good football team. Um, and as I mentioned, Derrick Henry, um, Tannehill. <clears throat> they've got a good front on the defensive side. Good safety play. So um, they've got a they've got a talented roster and, and they're well coached. How did Kyer handle not being named the starter last week? Like a pro, yeah, like a pro. What did you What did you take away after you watched the film of the man's game? What, what were your What were your key takeaways from how you played defense, particularly in the second half, shutting that team out? Yeah, I just think overall it was it was a good team effort, Sal. Uh, good defensive team effort. I thought we played. Team defense. Uh, everyone was doing their job and and their piece. Uh, they're one eleventh, as we say, and guys were flying around. Good fundamentals. So those are things we have to build on this week. Go ahead. Going off that, John, being a defensive guy, seeing how your front four performed on Thursday night, is that what you thought about when you could bring in a guy possibly like Von Miller, that the front four could perform 
at that level? Well, that's what we need. You know, that's what you need to to play really good defense and to win to win championships. That's what you need. Um, so, you know, when we had this vision of a player like that, yes, um, in terms of getting it to a level where we feel like we can be really good. Um, and again, we, that's just something we're we're trying to build. It's it's one game, and now we're, we have to look forward in terms of this opponent. Um, and really, that's where our focus is in, in getting ourselves to to improve our level of play. Sean, you got a seventh round pick who's starting at one corner, a sixth rounder rotating into the other one, an undrafted free agent who was here for four years as a starter. What is it about this coaching staff that that makes you so successful at developing those types of guys at that position? Not that you don't do it in other positions. But it seems like it happens more there. And when I say coaching staff, I am including yourself in the group too. Uh, you know, I just think um, you know it comes. It starts with the players, the, the types of people that Brandon and his staff bring in. I want to give credit there first, um, and then you know I believe we have teachers, coaches that a care about the players and b know how to develop the players that we have. And, and I think that's it's never just one thing. It's it's you know that process of personnel having players in here who are wired the right way, and then um, the player and the coach working together along with our whole staff, you know, medical, player development team, to develop not just the player, but the person as well. I just think overall it always you always want it to fit together like a puzzle like you know you've seen over the years um, and this is not specific to Daquan situation but you see teams on paper who look great on paper but they don't fit they don't mesh they don't fit well together and so it's got to piece together uh, talent wise yes but also uh, personality wise as well so um, you need players like Daquan that um, have a quiet style or, or a lead by example type of approach. I just think he's been, um, as Leslie alluded to, um, as you said, just very solid, very steady in his approach day to day. He's a pro. Um, he is he's strong fundamentally, and um, you know he comes to work every day. Which uh, there's a lot to be said for that. Been around him a bit. What has Roger Sample brought, both on the field and in the locker room? Yeah, I would say similar, really, to, to Daquan. He's a pro. Um, you know, he, I know he's very involved in, in some of the things off the field with what we do and the initiatives uh, in the organization. And um, he just, you know, from a distance a year ago or before this year, uh, and now seeing him, that's what I thought he would be in terms of the work that he puts in uh, when no one else is watching, kind of the gaps in the schedule. Um, and I think our young players can stand to learn a lot from that, from guys like Daquan and Roger in this case. Um, so it's it's good to have on our team. Michelle, you had the you know, I, th I think you obviously start giving credit to the to the Giants in that case, and I think then you look at the tape, and that's that was uncharacteristic of of, the, of that football team of the Titans. Um, so uh, we we expect that uh, we'll see a a, uh, 
a different team this week and, and a motivated team, and and uh, you know it'll be a it'll be a good game. Off of that, um, last year the team you guys struggled to run the ball early in the season. Uh, looking back at that first game, I know it's only one game, but you averaged almost five yards a carry. Were you happy with the production on that side of things? Uh, yes. Um, you know, again, we'd love to see the running backs uh, have more yards every week. I think the more we can stay in that two-dimensional approach, the better we'll be, and the more, you know, or the less hits Josh takes as well. So trying to get that. Uh, imbalance as well as important for for me and for us and um, and those yards are going to come for Josh because he he has some unscripted plays out there you know from time to time so um, but overall yes I thought our two-dimensional approach was was healthy for us. You guys are, are you bothered at all by the talk that your defense your number one ranking you weren't really quite that good that you actually play, you know, played against a lot of weak opponents? Um, give me that again. Give me that again. Your number one defensive ranking was a little misleading last year because you played a lot of bad backup quarterbacks. I'm wondering if the guys talked about that and that pissed them off. That's a question for them, probably. I think you know me. Question about uh, your defense's ability to get pressure without having to blitz before. How can you talk a little bit about how that frees them up and get the defense overall to play the run? Yeah, um, you know, it all works hand in hand. As I've said many times in here before, the rush has to complement the coverage and and the coverage has to complement the rush. Um, but you can't sit there and just try and only defend the pass. Um, you have to work yourself into that type of game. Um, and that starts um, really, you know, on both sides of the ball and trying to get a team into that situation. So um, that's what that's what you try and do. Might be one thing, but what do you make of the connection between the rapport between Josh and Stefan, and just some of the tight windows that that Josh found Diggs in, just threw the ball in some very tight windows, and just the developing chemistry that they continue to show new dimensions to just what the rapport is. Yeah, um, they they certainly have chemistry, John. <clears throat> they work well together now going into year three together I think you, that's uh, that's been evident the last couple of years and then also as they've gotten started this year so um, there's a lot of communication that goes on in practice also in between plays you know Josh will try and polish something up with Steph or Steph will come back from a route and work on something with Josh and say hey let's think about it this way um, um, so they have a good rapport and more than anything I think the, the communication that leads to that rapport. Your staff watch and learn from other situations around the league. What happened with the Bengals? Do you guys have a backup long snapper? Or is that something you ever practice? Yeah, I mean, you try and be, listen, as a head coach, you try and be prepared for everything. Um, we do. Um, but I can tell you, those, I mean, there's things that come up in the course of a game um, where you try and have a backup plan. Um, so you just, you just do the best you can. I mean, I can empathize. and. With uh, with coach there on, on that and um, tough deal, uh, but we try and have a backup plan for things like that. But it's not easy. AJ, that's one of them. Yeah, AJ is one of them. Yeah. yeah. Considering all the connections you guys have recently with the Giants franchise, is there any benefit getting ready this week because they just play the team you're about to play? Uh, I mean, yes and no. I think you know they're they're onto their game. We're onto our game, and um, so we just try and focus on that more than anything. I'm sure they're doing the same.
team effort uh, stopping Aaron Donald, but it seemed like Ryan Bates had a lot on his plate in regard to that uh, on Thursday. How did you feel about his performance overall going up against Donald? Yeah, I thought uh, it's never just one guy, right? Uh, in this case, I thought Ryan really settled in. Um, I think the first couple, uh, he was tested a little bit there, but he really adjusted during the game, which is which is part of it, right? You you want to be able to adjust during the game and and uh, without having to do something different, really, from a schematic standpoint. I thought he adjusted well. The pressure that you got, just, you know, obviously a new opponent this week, but how is there anything you can carry over? Is it confidence or kind of what goes into that? Yeah, I mean, again, it's a you know, it's a situation where we were able to. Um, uh, get them into a one-dimensional type of game a little bit. And, um, you know, this opponent this week is you want to carry it over every week. This opponent this week obviously thrives on running the ball and, and with the play-action game. So, um, you know, it'll be a little bit of a different go of it. Uh, and we've got to earn earn uh, earn the line of scrimmage and do a better job there, as it was documented. Uh, somebody mentioned earlier how we have not stopped them. I can't remember who it was. but So we got to obviously put a good week of practice in here. Um, you know, it's only one game, like you said, Sal, so very similar passing game. Um, you know, they've got a they've got a good system. I think Coach Downing does a great job of putting them in position. Um, and uh, Again, good players, so it just it's really only one game, so it's hard to really tell how they're using the new personnel um, to this point, but I think that's we'll get a better feel as we head into the game here. Um, no, I think that's uh, – I'm sorry, Tim Settle. Yeah, yeah it'll be fun. Um, you know, I look forward to getting in front of our fans and, and uh, our home opener here, but um, I think our players are really – and our team is really just focused on um, you know, putting in the work and right now one day at a time to get ourselves ready to go against a really good football team. Well, it's only one game, but do you think Epinesa is a guy who looks to be about to come into his own? I think the I think there's momentum, Jerry, there. I do. I think there's momentum and, and again, one game at a time here. All right, that's head coach Sean McDermott addressing the media prior to practice today. Number of topics to cover there, including the fact that they have multiple backup long snappers, Steve. They're ready for anything. Uh, we'll get into. <laughs> Which means they're going to have tryouts. <laughs> well, no. I mean, Listen, they're know, not the only ones. No, they're not. But we know AJ has been one the last couple of years, and there are others on the roster as well. Uh, the names of which were not revealed. The, but we'll we'll discuss more yeah. of what Coach McDermott said when we come back here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Bills tickets, check. Face paint, check. Your favorite apple with the epic crunch, almost. Snapdragon apples. We'll be rushing into a Wegmans near you soon. Snapdragon apples, the official apple of your Buffalo Bills. We are eagerly waiting these apples to arrive. They're saying October is when these things roll into town. Let's go. Let's go. Um, so, yeah, the, the apple with the monster crunch. <laughs> As they say, uh, Coach McDermott's comments, Steve, he spoke for about 15 minutes today. Um, 
The biggest things, Ed Oliver, Tim Settle won't practice. They'll take it a day at a time, see how it goes. He believes that it is an important control-the-line-of-scrimmage type game, which makes sense knowing the elite talent that Derek Henry is. He was pleased with the week one performance of the defense up front, Steve. He said they're going to need another performance like that again this week. Yeah. Hey, yeah. And you knew it would be true, too. He's also asking interesting because people are starting to notice. Now, you and I have, you were the first guy to say this, and I'll give you the full credit, but it's true. The player development was starting to be questioned because they got these guys like Benford and Milano and Levi Wallace in the past and, you know, uh, Daquan Johnson and. Uh, all these guys who have played so well and gotten so much better in the building here since they get drafted or brought in by the Bills. And it was inter- his answer was really interesting because he, he virtually named every facet of the organization in the building as having a hand in it, from the sports science guys to the scouts to Brandon to the guys themselves being wired the right way to the veterans and the leadership and – the coaching staff and the way that he just went down on and on and on. And, and I, and I get it because from my experience, every guy that comes in the door, even guys who like two undrafted rookies or a first round draft pick like Kair Elam and a sixth round draft pick like Christian Benford, who are the same position, they it's because each of those guys, as similar as they are playing the same position, same age, same experience, coming into play for the same team, each of them needs way different things to complete their package to make them the best version of themselves. So you need available, you know, sports psychologists. You need, you know, the, the sports science, the strength conditioning, the coaching staff. The, you know, all of this stuff has to be in place. And it's just so much to think about, and it's really why, I think, there's so much going on in this building that other teams are like, oh, wow, those, you know, that's why there's such a problem on the field on Sundays. They've got so much going on in their favor on all levels of the organization, and it's all focused on getting each player to play their best and getting each coach to coach better and learn more about themselves and how they can communicate better. It's just a, it's an atmosphere that has, you know, it elevated this organization really quickly. And now – you know, even, you know, the local media guys are going, well, you know, what's the deal? You know, why are you guys able to do this? And it's not an easy answer. Yeah. So I just think that these two guys and their injury situation is going to be under the microscope this week because yeah. it changes the dynamic of the defensive line play when your rotation is compromised if both of them can't go. I think one of If things- just one of them can't go, I think you yeah. can get through this game effectively. I think Brandon Bryan is a pretty good – guy to step up and step in right um, knowing he's played games in the past so I don't think I don't think you would lose a tremendous amount there but if both Oliver and Settle are out you know now you're getting that's a problem to an area where and I wonder this too Steve because we've seen this Shaq Lawson as we know is a good set the edge defender at defensive end but we've also seen him on obvious passing downs kick down inside now I'm not saying you put him there you know in first and five or right. second and three. Um, but I wonder if he can give you at least a handful of snaps down inside here or there. Um, we saw Boogie Basham do that late in the game last week, but I think that was more a byproduct of where the game was. 
you know, you're up 21. You want to give your big guys a little bit of a break. You roll maybe some younger players in there on the inside. You know that the Rams are already in pass mode being down three touchdowns. So I don't think that's the reason why Boogie Basham was ki- he was kicking yeah, inside because th- they were in all-out throw mode. I, I think one of the things that also works against the Bills is that I don't think, because of all the new guys, they, they still got A.J., Boogie, and Ed, uh, and Rousseau, you know, from from the roster last year, but the rest of these guys are all new. Vaughn and, and all those defensive tackles, except for except for Ed. I still think they're probably just starting to hash out the combinations and the rotation pattern, so that I don't want this guy in with this guy, and I want these two guys in there as much together as we can. But we still got to alternate them because we got other, you know, we got rep concerns. I still think they're tinkering with that chemistry and the way they want to rotate it so that on down and distances they've got the right combination of defensive linemen and the right skill sets in there, the guys that complement each other, the guys that play well together. It's one game, and they didn't play in the preseason yeah. a lot. So I still think they're probably doing that. So with now with Settle out and, and maybe Oliver out or maybe whatever, that's going to – you know, it throws an extra degree of difficulty onto that process of finding out just when they do play their best and what combinations are on the field. It's going to throw a wrench into that. So we'll have to take it day by day and see where it goes from here. I mean, maybe one of them's back, maybe both of them's back. There is time, plenty of time, before we get to Monday night. And in case you didn't see, the Bills will again be all blue, it appears, as the Titans will be all white on Monday night. So the Bills blue from top to bottom, with the exception of their helmets, uh, jerseys and pants, and the Titans in all white on Monday night. We take a break here, but when we come back, we get the 4-1-1 on the Titans from former Titans strong safety Blaine Bishop, now a radio analyst down there in Nashville covering the Titans. Blaine Bishop will tell us what to expect. What's the vibe like down there after going 0-1 being upset by the Giants at home. Blaine Bishop tells us next. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. Presented by Kaleida Health. Here we are, hour number two, One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you, and pleased to be joined now by a four-time Pro Bowl safety, mainly known for his time with the Tennessee Titans. Happy to have the co-host of the Blaine and Mickey Show on 104.5 FM, The Zone. Down there in Nashville, Wade, is one Blaine Bishop joining us here on the line. Blaine, good to have you. How you been? I've been doing much better after that loss to the Giants. But, uh, yeah, I've been doing pretty well myself personally. But, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah you know, there's panic all over the place. Right. Why don't we start there, Blaine? Because, you know, you're always curious as to a team vibe coming off a loss that maybe wasn't anticipated. 
So how how is the vibe around the team here as they get ready for this Monday night game? Well, fortunately, you know, they have some veterans on the team and they understand things happen. And it's it's only tight nest that they, you know, lose a game that they're supposed to win a la last year and then come back and then win a game. So I think they're pretty confident. I think they just weren't uh, they were undisciplined in the uh, gap lanes there on defense. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are questioning the offensive coordinator here, uh, but I'm kind of used to it. That's kind of how he's looked up, you know, last year. So there was no surprise there. You just can't give up, you know, 200 and something yards to a team. And, right, that, you know, you're bound to lose. So to me, the defense more so than, you know, the fan base uh, blaming the play calling on the offense. So uh, that's kind of how I view it. And I, I think they're in, uh, you know, as good as they could be after, you know, a tough loss to a team that they're supposed to beat. So, yeah, this is going to be an interesting game and see how they come out and play and respond. Because as you guys know, uh, every year is a new year, new chemistry, regardless if some of the same pieces are there or not. So I'm interested to see how they respond. Yeah, it's interesting because both these teams are different. Of course, the, the tennis Titans were the number one seed a year ago. Um, and it's always unexpected when they drop their opening game. But they came in. It's a different roster. It's always a different vibe in the locker room, different chemistry. And some, you know, some better, worse, whatever, the same or just different. Uh, they lost a, a key element in Harold Landry. And mm. you talk about their defense being really, in your mind, was surprisingly less than what it should have been. Give us how much do they miss Harold Landry and what kind of outlook do they have going forward? Well, I equated it to it's bigger than having Derrick Henry injured last season. Mm. And that sounds crazy to, you know, for people to hear something like that. But the scheme and the system was built on running game, you know, on offense when they lost Henry last season. You know, they missed the home run hitter uh, type play. But the scheme is going to be what it is. Quality running back back there in Foreman last season. They were able to, you know, you know, hold the stables and keep it rocking and rolling. Harold Landry is a bigger miss here because – of what he does, not just in the pass rush, but his his drop in coverage, uh, his versatility, uh, you know, in his pass rushes uh, with them line up inside, outside. And he's just a key cog. And that's why they gave him, you know, 80 million dollars. So obviously he's a really good player. So they they had uh, multiple people uh, trying to step up in that role. And sometimes they did well and sometimes not. Uh, so I thought it was a bigger miss uh, for them than last season i said that going into the game so yeah now that that's that's huge uh so now you can't just rely on your front four to get after the quarterback as you guys know uh, now they're gonna have to do with muscleplicity and different schemes and systems to kind of you know create uh pass rush lanes bud dupree was a guy that seemed to use last year as a get healthy year you know coming off that major knee injury when the titans first acquired him the early word is it looks like his explosiveness has returned to his game. How ha how did he look in week one, and does he kind of look more like the pass rusher most of us saw in Pittsburgh that you know made him attractive to Tennessee in the first place? Yeah, he he definitely looked a lot better than last season. You know, it's, you know it's just one week, but he did look like he was more explosive. Uh, he got some production there. Really, you know, he had a, like a sack. And, you know, he he was around the quarterback all day long. I didn't see any of that last season. So I would have to say he is fully healthy and ready to rock and roll. And I think he's going to have to fulfill, you know, Landry's role as kind of that lead dog from the outside pass rush if they're going to have any success, not only on defense, but just this season. 
and as the season rules got started, a big conversation around the NFL was who played their starters and who did not play their starters. Mm-hmm. And then week one rolls around, and the Titans get Deshaun Hand hurt and A.J. Moore also, Jr. also hurt. And those guys right to IR. Well, Hand, yeah, they're, they're both right to IR. So, you know, big losses. How did that debate go of whether to play your guys in the preseason or whether it didn't? How was that played out in Tennessee and as they roll in the season, all of a sudden, you know, you got two pretty important guys hurt right away. How, what's your take on how the preseason should be handled and, and the meaning it has as you go into opening day? Well, let's talk about those two players. They did play actually in the preseason, but the Titans did not play a lot of their starters. They're a rotational guys who are, right. you know, contributors not only on special teams, but also on defense. Uh, the Titans chose not to play their starters, and I was a little bit against that. And reason why I watched, I watched all the elite teams, and you know, let's go Tampa Bay to Buffalo, and you know, Allen's playing to Mahomes. I said, well, why are they playing their players? Especially every year's a prove it year. Even if I, even if you just played a quarter, I felt like you have to get adjusted to the speed of the game, and you want to come off, you know, in that first game blazing. Now they did look good in the first half. So I have to give them credit. Last year, they did not versus Arizona. They got smoked. Uh, so there's just a part of me being a blue-collar former player that I feel like I want to be just as good as I was the year before or better. And I want to go out there and get my keys and reads and and get to going and rocking and rolling. Uh, and especially with Tannehill, you just wanted to get that, you know, feeling of nasty taste after the playoff loss, get him out there. You know, a lot of people were like, oh, if he would have got hurt. Well, you know what? A lot of guys not playing or getting hurt in that first game because they're not used to playing in football games. So just my mentality, me personally, if I was a coach, and that's probably why I'm not coaching, I probably I would have put my guys out there at least for a quarter or two. What can you say, Blaine, about the draft class? Because it looks like they're leaning on this class for for contributions early and often. You know, their top three draft choices are all technically listed as starters. I know they're happy with what Kyle Phillips has done, the fifth-round pick who's kind of been a little bit of a revelation through the preseason. I mean, even their punter and their punt returner are rookies. So this just – I'm not saying it's unusual, but I know Vrabel usually likes guys to prove themselves before he thrusts them into full-time roles. Has that changed a little bit just out of necessity? (laughs) Well, I mean, we could also throw in Burks, who was the first – First pick of the draft, uh, who contributed way more in this first game than he did all last season. He only played like 20 snaps. He got five targets, and that's big for for the Titans' offense, which runs the football. Uh, Phillips did an exceptional job. I think he showed all during camp that he was going to be special. I thought he was going to be special when they drafted him uh, because of his route running ability and his return ability, and that's just something that the Titans didn't have. So him escalating up sooner than later wasn't a surprise. Maybe as many targets as he got, maybe so. Uh, but uh, they're in need of wide receiver big play. I was really surprised that Woods was only targeted, as you guys know him, uh, only mm-hmm. two times. He was in training camp with a brace on all the mini camp, and then training camp he didn't have a brace on from his ACL tear. So, you know, I think sometimes it's all about rhythm and flow and what the defense was giving them, why some guys got more targets than not. But Vrabel's real big on just team uh, philosophy, and maybe this week you got 10 targets. Next week you may only get five, maybe you only get two. And so it kind of – he kind of builds this team on the with the receivers with no stud that, hey, we're going to 
take it where the defense takes us or where Tannehill throws it. So if it's not you, you know, you got to be a team player and hold out. No star-studded guys. But, yes, their contribution was big. Uh, I have Obviously not big enough. Uh, and I think they got to get more out of all the players. Really, in the first game, I didn't think they were disciplined uh, on defense, as I mentioned, as gap control. And then in critical situations, uh, they didn't maybe uh, block correctly or run the route to the right depth. Uh, which are all critical in the philosophy how Vrabel plays, which is run the football, and every game is going to be close. Even though they was up 13-none at half, they were dominating that game at halftime. See, they right. should have been up by more than that. They couldn't convert on third downs as well as they're getting field goals instead of touchdowns in the red zone. So those things really contributed. Uh, and then the second half, they got a glimpse of light with, you know, Barkley taking a long run and boom, seven points, and now all of a sudden they're in the game. Uh, so I thought they played solid, but they just weren't disciplined when they need to be. And then, by the way, they're going to watch film. And I was calling it from the booth. They kept running boots out the wazoo. Every form of boot you can imagine, they did it. And the Titans never defended it. If you did, and, and that may have been the answer to this question, if if the players played as the way the coaches wanted them to, is there anything tactically or any form of offense that the Titans – didn't do well or need to implement to get them back on track offensively, get them a little to convert a little bit more in the red zone, that kind of thing. What will Vrabel and his coaching staff need to get this team to do to get them back in the win column? <laughs> well, it's some things that, you know, I feel like uh, I think they're going to run here anymore. 21 carries wasn't enough in their mind, probably. Uh, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, but I think a little more creativity on offense and maybe, uh, not second guessing yourself. You know, sometimes as coaches, you think, okay, they're going to prepare for this. And then you get them out in the formation that they're familiar with. And then you do something else, which is not your strength. I think they're just going to stick to what they know, try to slow this game down. And uh, you guys have a talented team with the, the leader there in Allen and two superstars on, on both sides of the ball. I mean, with Ron Miller. So uh, with other, you know, great support, you know, players. So I think they're going to have to run the football to have any success. And I don't know if they'll be able to do it because I don't know if Henry is up to, let's say, Henry level yet and breaking the long one. I thought he dropped a, a wildcat snap, which I thought could have uh, been maybe a successful play in, in the home run hitter with his speed and size. But uh, they're going to have to do something big. They have to create some form of big plays and take shots down the field. They only took one shot really that was uh, effective throughout the whole game. Last one I've got for you, Blaine, and let, you know, kind of get into your wheelhouse a little bit on the back end defensively for this group. We know that the Titans have invested heavily in the corner position the last couple of drafts, whether it's, you know, Christian Fulton, Caleb Farley, Roger McCleary. I mean, all those guys were taken in the first and second round each of the last three years. All of them mm -hmm. are up and playing. Uh, I know Bayard kind of holds things down on the back end as the veteran safety. How do you yeah. see those coverage assignments kind of lining up with this crew in Buffalo that they'll be putting out there. <coughs> excuse, excuse, excuse me. Mm -hmm. uh, that was another issue. Just little small things. Fulton who's had a really good first two years and his eye discipline on the deep ball. You're the deep third guy. Why are you looking in the backfield and the guy's zooming by you? I mean, that's just undisciplined. Your job is to get the guy who's running by you to quit getting memorized by the quarterback. The quarterback's not throwing to you. Uh, so they can't have those little mistakes like that. Before that, he had played pretty solid over the last couple of years. Uh, Farley is trying to stay healthy and being a contributor really in nickel situations. He comes in on the outside. The real good surprise for them is Roger McCurry, the second-round pick who they said had short arms from Auburn. 
has done really well and is a pro's pro and plays solid. He can play outside, inside. He can pretty much do whatever you want. So I think that young nucleus, uh, you know, has done fairly well. But uh, whenever you lose, you know, as, as Steve knows, you know, nobody's done good enough. And every individual person must look within themselves to see what they can do to do better within the scheme and the system on both sides of the ball and then play football. I think guys are trying too hard to make plays instead of just actually doing their job. Blaine, it's good talking to you. It's great, been great. I'm glad to catch up with you. Thanks for coming on the show today. All right, man, you guys take it easy on the Titans, man, because you guys look fantabulous. Let's see if they can do <laughs> that, man. Because, man, I wouldn't want to be tackling Josh Allen right now. I'll tell you that. Yeah, and you were a box safety man that used to bring the wood, but yeah. that guy's 6'5", 240, man. <laughs> it's a different yeah, world. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Blaine. Yeah. All right, tell Les I said hi. Bye-bye. All right. All right, that's Blaine Bishop uh, spending some time with us. We have to take a break here because when we come back, we're going to be joined by Bill's left guard, Roger Saffold, when we return here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Time for our fresh off-the-field interview brought to you by Austin Air, the official clean air provider of the Buffalo Bills. And joining us now is your starting left guard, Roger Saffold, coming off a week one victory, a resounding victory, 31-10. to 10. And, Roger, I know that's already in the rearview mirror for you as you begin to focus on the Titans. And my, my curiosity comes from here because, I mean, you know – those players there on that mm-hmm. Tennessee roster. Heck, you know, some of the guys on the L.A. roster, too. You've been around. Um, what can you lend to your offensive line teammates just from a personnel perspective? You know, tendencies, things that, they, you know, maybe something Jeffrey Simmons likes to do on a rundown. When it, you know what I mean? Those kinds of things. You don't have to share the secrets here, but right. is there something that you can lend to your teammates in that respect? Well, I think, you know, the older that you get in this game, you know, you're able to kind of broaden your perspective a little bit. So I'm seeing a lot more and taking a lot more in than than normal. So I've really seen, like, you know, guys go to rushes um, in the pass protection. I kind of know how guys play it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I know exactly how, like, who they're looking at is who they're pretty much going to be judging their their run game after. Um, And that particularly helps a lot in, like, double team situations, things like that. Um, You know, their go-to moves off of uh, play action. Um, So just knowing the personnel, and and especially since I was there last year, I think I got more to give them than I did with the the Rams, even though I know a lot of those guys and and I've been pretty close to those guys. So, um, you know, as much as I can give them, in order to get them ready for this game. Because, we, you know, we have just a huge physical game this, uh, on Monday. Maybe yeah. you can give us some conjecture, too. What's it going to be like for the Titans this week getting ready for the Bills? I mean, this is a team in a close, tight-knit game. You were with the Titans last year in the in the game in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. You went through that whole season as the one seed and, and had a disappointing end to it. What's the vibe going to be like in Tennessee getting ready for this game in Buffalo? Um, well, I, I'll just say this right off the bat. Variable's always already shown them a ton of tape with us. Um, they, they're, they're really well coached. Um, you know, they're, they're a very physical team. Uh, you know, I hate to say this, but when it comes to teams that, you know, they're supposed to win, they usually have trouble. It kind of goes the distance and doesn't necessarily go in their way. 
But when they're challenged with like, you know, a really, really good team, you know, they bring out their best ball. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not expecting to see, you know, kind of the mishaps that happened last game. I expect to see, you know, uh, the best shot that they have to offer. And, and we need to nullify that and nullify it early because they're just, uh, their confidence just continues to roll on throughout the game. How was communication up front last week? Because, you know, first time, real bullets, all that stuff. There didn't seem to be many mental errors, if any at all. Execution looked pretty good, like start to finish in the game for you guys offensively. How'd that all work up front in terms of communication and everything, pre-snap, post-snap? I think it just comes with being prepared. Uh, you know, uh, Cromer has done a great job of getting us ready, getting us ready for a bunch of different looks. I mean, we had a great game, a great first game against so many different fronts, you know, which you normally don't go through right. uh, at the beginning of the season. Uh, for us to be able to kind of like work through that and everything was not perfect. I mean, there was a couple indiscrepancies here and there, but the fact that we were able to go back to the sideline judge it off of that, not think too much into it, and then just kind of work together to kind of get better as the game went on. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we, we were definitely satisfied with the results. You came into this season and you, you don't know a Bills offensive coordinator other than Ken Dorsey. Give us your, the take and what Josh said and what they've talked about the play selection. We've heard that, you know, it was really smooth. He called it out real early in the play clock. He, they got a chance to get to the line once in a while. Give, you guys were breaking the huddle like yeah, 22 seconds, you 23 were giving, seconds. You were giving, them, giving Josh a chance, even Ken Dorsey, a chance to look at the defense before the ball snapped and before the play clock hits 15, he's called the play after he sees the defense. All that stuff seemed to go really smooth. Is that the take you get and the vibe you get from the guys uh, who talk to him? Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, Dorsey being a quarterback, I'm sure that he wished he could throw the ball every single play. But, you know, him being able to filter in there and throw in some runs, making sure that we're two-dimensional, guys doing their fundamentals, and, and our wide receivers doing a great job of reading those coverages, put us in great positions in that game. I mean, you saw you saw Stefan blowing the top off of the defense. I mean, you've seen great play calls with uh, the around showing Gabe blocking for just a quick second and then able to get out. Uh, you know, just the, the play selection has been great. And, uh, you know, we're always on the attack, which I love because Dorsey is such a great competitor, you know, which a lot of people don't see. Um, but, you know, because of that competition that, you know, that he loves, you know, we're always just continuing to attack and continuing to push down the field. It was interesting for us to see Reggie Gilliam in a pretty expand, no, I shouldn't say expanded role, but he got more work than we had really seen from him last season, maybe even the season before that, and to see him kind of working as a fullback, even as a move tight end a little bit, you guys had some 21 personnel and ran out of it pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to call it an extra dimension to the offense because it's just one game, and who knows, Ken Dorsey might have it completely different this week. But seeing Reggie step up and, and fill that role capably, um, I got to imagine it's a good thing because it makes you – more of a varied offense if he can step in and execute in those situations for Coach Doors. Oh, 100%. You know, we joke about it, me and Reggie do, but just about, you know, sometimes he's got to go into the huddle and be like, okay, who am I? What, what, what position <laughs> am I playing right now so I can block this play effectively mm -hmm. or run the ball or catch the ball, whatever he does. But, you know, he's definitely earned his contract. I mean, we've seen uh, even crazier looks throughout the preseason where he's had to play even more different dimensions. So, I mean – uh, I'm really proud of the way that he's responded to that. And practice does make perfect because he's been doing this consistently yeah. and he's starting to, to really get comfortable where he is. What's the the offensive guys saying about, you know, the interceptions they had, you know, with Sam McKenzie was in his hands, out of his hands, and the two running backs got it chopped out of their, their hands as well. How are they handling those? And, and that's got to be like, 
the one thing that well you didn't punt the entire game so it's got to be the one thing that you're saying okay we got to do better how are they handling that particularly the young guys well honestly you know when it comes to that first game you know it's the first time that we're all fully in there everybody's playing both sides of the ball so i mean you're going to see those you know kind of kind of pains uh in the first game now luckily we got a win so it's not as bad but there are also tons of things that we can learn uh from that so you know not fighting for extra yards in four minutes one of those situations, you know, just, hey, let's just take it right here, keep the ball in our hands, keep it moving, um, you know, making sure we have it high and tight and really see those ice outside lanes so that you don't even get into that position. And then just, you know, making sure that we're giving accurate throws and really attacking the ball with our hands. I mean, it, it's just all a part of it. So, you know, even though it was frustrating uh, to have those types of things happen, you know, I think that guys are just, you know, continuing to get accustomed to the season and, and, and we'll notify that. I know that you know, the goal every week is to make the opponent one-dimensional, um, particularly for your defense. But you guys got to really get up on the Titans to convince Mike Vrabel to stop running the football. Like, 10 nothing, he doesn't blink. He's still running the ball. You know, 13 nothing, he may not even blink. Right. Uh, and still want to run the ball. How far up do you got to get on the Titans to convince Mike Vrabel to consider something else besides riding Derrick? Well, I mean, you you know, I, I know that the Titans don't want to be one dimensional one dimensional when it comes to running the uh, to to throwing the ball. Yeah. Uh, but you know, if you took away that run game, you're pretty much taking away you know who they are. Right. Um, and and you know, if it's first, second, third quarter, you know, they don't want to necessarily take that away. Right. So things have to be really out of hand before they start becoming one dimensional like that. When you get into this game, I mean, certainly. Um, when you come up to Buffalo and you come from Tennessee, you got to, the schedule comes out and it's like, yes, yeah, it's Monday night football. And, you know, you got some guys that you, you got some love and respect for down there, right? So yeah. But you still, too, I mean, I did the same thing. A lot of motivation for you personally coming into this game. Absolutely. You know, I mean, uh, you know, you never want to go down the road that, you know, I, I kind of had to go to, which, you know, it's tough decisions for every team. So, of course, I never take any of that personally. But, um, you know, going against the Rams, uh, my, my first team now going against the Titans, you know, after that, I mean, it's just, you know, kind of like it was almost built for me, right? Um, <laughs> back to back. Yeah, back to back like that. But, you know, uh, like I said, because I have so much respect for that guys, because I know the identity of the team, because I know how these guys play, that's all the motivation I need. I know that this is going to be a physical game. Uh, I know there's going to be some big collisions. And I know that we're really going to have to be efficient um, up and down the field in order to, you know, put them in that one dimension and then really start attacking. It kind of makes you grateful you got a couple extra days between these two games um, to kind of let the body heal up a few extra right. days because you know you're going to be mashing on Monday oh, yeah. night. So what do you do in with that extra time? Are you just feet up when you can and just, you know, rest it up? And, like, what are some of the techniques you use, especially as a veteran player, when you have the extra time to get the body? I know it's early in the season. This isn't week 15. But right. what, what are some of the techniques you kind of subscribe to to kind of keep your body right when, you, when you're afforded extra time like this? Uh, what you really want to do is you just want to sit there, right? You don't want to do anything. <laughs> you just want to relax the entire time. But, of course, you know, they say it's better to kind of get up and move around. Move the blood around. Yeah, yeah, move the blood around a little bit, which, you know, is something that I definitely do. I always love to come in during one of those off days and get a little workout in. 
Uh, you know, sweat, you know, it really does help, help get rid of lactic acid, all Push those types out, of yeah. things. And then, you know, just going through my routine during the week. You know, I do a lot of hot tub, cold tub, Epsom salt baths, use boots, all types of things. So um, that was some good good amount of sleep, which I'm very thankful for the schedule that we have on this team. Right. Um, you know, I'm always able to get a good amount of sleep. So uh, it, it, those those all pay dividends throughout the season. And, you know, if you don't take care of them now, then, you know, week right. six, I'm yeah. going to be – broken down what is there about if you've noticed anything certainly the rams were different than tennessee and you know tennessee's different than buffalo the rams are different than buffalo what about buffalo's process here that gives you guys a chance i mean they've been really healthy and we we can only like guess at maybe the re and, and there's no you know maybe there's no difference it's just dumb luck who knows but they have stayed healthier and what do you notice about their process that may lead to that uh, you know, I mean, we we do we work tirelessly over here to try to make sure we take care of guys' bodies, which I know both other teams that I played for try to do as well. Um, you know, with the with the data that they pick up, mm -hmm. um, they really use that. Guys having conversations with you know the trainer, head coach, and the strength coach, something that both all three of the teams that I played for have. But I think that just with this team, I think you know the way that we we practice. Um, the schedules that we have, we come in just a little bit later, you know, that gives guys time to really get some good rest in. And then just the way that, you know, everything is structured from the workouts to just, you know, how much availability that we have in the training room, because yeah. the training room is, is really state of the art. Um, it, it really puts us in a great position. And plus, I mean, we were just talking about it, you know, it's really hard to recover from that heat in Tennessee. You know, sometimes so it's like, you know, the recovery week after week can be a grind on you practicing in that humidity and, and heat yeah. week in and week out. Yeah, it drains you for sure. You ready for that Monday night atmosphere? You've played here before, right? On I have. I have played here before, and I've always seen, uh, you know, a great, a great crowd. And this is before uh, – this is years before when I was still on the Rams. So um, I'm definitely excited to be on the – <laughs> the good guy side of this one, to be on the good guy side of this one for for the first home game to be yeah. a Monday night football game, you know, biggest thing for me and I know uh, uh, with my line is like, all right, let's just keep our emotions in check because yeah. you know they can run crazy and that's when you know the kind of mistakes kind of start. So we're just going to try to be not too high, not too low, and yeah. just continue. You might to want to start with the guy at number seventeen on your team. You might peel him off the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's done better he's about it. He's one of the guys. Yeah. To, he's one of the first guys to say it. Yeah, yeah. which which is unbelievable. Saying but. it's one thing. <laughs> yeah, Roger, we don't have yeah, we don't have to tell yeah, you he's hyper competitive, right? Thanks for coming in, man. Appreciate you. Just fresh off the practice field. Appreciate you coming in. Thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us. Yeah. All right, no problem at all. Thank you, guys. Yeah, that's Roger Saffold joining us here on One Bills Live. We'll take a break so he can hit the showers. We'll be back in a moment with more. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Post-game or post-practice podium sound is happening now, and none other than Josh Allen is there addressing the media. So let's go to Josh. Josh, this team that you're playing on Monday has kind of been a bit of a thorn in the side of you guys the last couple of years. From your perspective, what have they made things difficult for you guys to do on offense? Yeah, I mean, if you look at who they have on their roster, um, you know, they're as good as anybody in the league in their interior D-line. Um, you know, with Simmons, they got Dupree on the edge. You know, they, they started off really well. Their safeties move in unison. Um, you know, one of the better safety duos in the league. Um, so they make it very difficult in their zone coverages in, in terms of disguising um, and, and just showing one hand and doing the other. So 
for us, going out there and executing me, making my decision, being decisive with it and living with it, you know, going back and looking at the film from last year, uh, too many times just my eyes were in the wrong spots. And, um, you know, I can, I can help clean that up, again, just with eyes and ball placement, allowing our guys to catch and, and, and go. But, again, they're, they're as tough as anybody. Um, they've given us problems, like you said, for the last couple of years. And um, we all know what happened last week, and they're, they're going to be a motivated team coming into, uh, you know, our stadium Monday night. So we've got to be ready for that. I mean, I'd say a little bit, but again, every Sunday is different. Every Monday is different. I know we're playing Monday night, but um, every game, you know, has different situations in it, and you have to be prepared to make adjustments and uh, and go with the flow. So, um, you know, on top of that, they've got one of the best coaches in the league, you know, in, in Vrabel, and uh, he, he does a lot of good things, and again, he's going to have them extremely motivated here. So uh, we got to be ready for whatever punch they throw out our way, and um, you know, try to put our best foot forward. Watching the film from last year, did you win or stop before you got to that fourth down play? What fourth down play? You know, the one. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I know. Yeah, I, yeah. Right, but we don't need to watch, watch that one. Uh, you know. Um, you know, we had our opportunities, again, that was last year, and it's going to be completely different this year. You know, who knows what happens, um, how we play, how they play, it ultimately we'll find out Monday night. Um, but, again, we're, we're doing everything we can to prepare uh, for the best versions of, of themselves coming here Monday night. Um, you know, we know what type of team and caliber team they are. You know, they've been in the playoffs for the last numerous years. Um, and, again, they're extremely well coached. they got some, some really, really good players on that side of the ball. We know what they are on the offensive side, so uh, points at a premium this week, and uh, yeah. Going um, basically to your fifth year, lightly season, um, you've seen just about every defensive look you could possibly see, you know, on this level. How has that made you more efficient in games? Uh, again, I think just with repetition, understanding how teams are trying to play me, and it seems like every week there's some sort of new wrinkle or new challenge that I'm seeing. So uh, just being prepared and trusting the rules within our offense, trusting the 10 guys on the field with me. And like I said, just being as decisive as possible. And I think at times last year, it wasn't quite that, um, you know, running out of a, a clean pocket, um, you know, trying to force a ball somewhere where it shouldn't be. So again, just being on time with my footwork, um, ball placement again, uh, where it needs to be um, and just being decisive with the football. The Titans are a well-coached team. Like, what does that mean to you? Like, when you see a team on tape, you go, the, you know, what does that mean? Well, I mean, they're very disciplined. Um, you know, on defense, they just they do so many different things and throw so many different looks at you, you know, and they're not bringing five a lot. They're bringing four, but they're dropping an end. Uh, they're playing some change pressure behind it. So it messes with your rules in terms of blocking scheme, um, getting guys one-on-one, -on -one, getting guys free. So again, just being, you know, very detailed in, in film work, understanding what they can and can't do, um, you know, within certain looks. Um, but again, guys that are just, they're taught the right things in football. They're and their coach, coach Vable can motivate those guys to, you know, really play to, at a higher level. So, um, and I'm assuming that's what it's going to be Monday night. Again, it's Monday night, and coming off, um, you know, a game that they just had, they're going to be they're going to be ticked off. Yeah, uh, I did get to watch a little bit of it. Um, it was on Red Zone. I had Red Zone on, so it really wasn't on the, the national broadcast. 
But just every uh, highlight that I can watch, obviously I was following along with my phone as well, just trying to, again, I'm, I'm rooting Dave John. Um, I love that guy. So I'm, I'm very happy for him to get his first win. The way they did it was, was awesome and shows, you know, who Coach Dable is. Um, so that was, that was pretty fun. Um, but I wish I could have saw it completely live, but we have the All-22 that we've been watching. And, again, they, but again this, this defense presents um, a lot of different challenges that we've got to be ready for. Yeah. Given the rapport you've developed with Stefan right almost from the beginning, are we seeing even more layers to it, you know, after the way you guys connected on Thursday night? Um, I mean I, I definitely think we're we're still working on things. We're still um I can say you can you can say we're still developing. Um just in terms of body language, ball placement, knowing where he wants the ball, um, him knowing where I want to throw the ball. Um, you know. So I think really just comes down to body language. You know, the best receivers in the league give great body language. They give, give great eyes. Um, and Steph, what Steph does, you know, I think better than anybody in the league, uh, his hands, you know, how, how late he can keep his hands like in a full sprint, look back, see the ball coming in and, you know, extend his arms as late as possible, whether it's in front of him, back shoulder ball. Um, you know, he's, he's a master at his craft and, you know, I'm very fortunate that I get to play with a guy of his caliber because he's making everybody on our team better. You know, you see him on the sidelines being very vocal, um, you know, and excited. So uh, he brings a lot of juice to our football team. We've talked a lot about your kind of new relationship with Ken Dorsey and him being up in the booth. What's it been like, though, with Joe Brady having a new person actually sitting next to you down on the sideline? Yeah, JB's been great um, in meetings, you know, showing us what we need to see. Um, talking through different concepts, different reads. Um, you know, he's he's got a lot of experience and a lot of, uh, you know, well-known places, whether it be college or NFL. He's been with a lot of different quarterbacks. So the knowledge that he has, uh, it's very valuable. And for him to, like I said, be here, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have him here. You know, a guy with his talent and his caliber of, uh, you know, mind. Uh, not too often, you know, do quarterbacks get to step in from one great quarterback coach to another that's been an OC in this league that knows what he's talking about. Um, you know, and he's still very young. He's still learning things too. And we've been able to feed off each other and it's been, uh, you know, a great rapport so far. And I'm looking forward to how that uh, relationship develops. How does that flow of information go when you're on the side? Does it go from you to Brady to Ken? Ken yeah. How does that? No, it'll, it's me talking to Joe and Joe, you know, talking to Dave's and, and vice versa. Um, you know, unless, you know, Dorse wants to talk to me on the phone, which didn't happen this last game. Um, but, you know, Joe's doing a, a great job of relaying information, sitting us down, going through, um, you know, the tablets together and uh, trying to decipher a plan. More decisive with the ball. Is that anything reflected in your completion percentage from last week, that, that decisiveness that you're shooting for? Yeah, I, I definitely think you can say that. Um, just in terms of it being quick, you know, we know what type of – front the Rams had so um, early early on just trying to get the ball out of my hands and allow our guys to make some plays and um, you know find a way to take some shots later in the game that's really all it was and coach Dorsey kept calling them I just kept firing them and our guys kept catching them so that's really all it was just being smart with the football um, and you saw what our guys can do after the catch it was uh, it was fun to watch uh, level of patience to build that to say we're going to take these quick throws these quick hitters and it's going to turn into something more later yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, the essence of football and, and what everybody tries to do. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of defenses will say, we're going to keep doing this and, until he gets picky and, and, and greedy and wants to throw in over the middle or something like that. Um, so to have that wherewithal of 
and understanding of like I'm just going to keep taking the center knee stuff and being okay with whatever the stat line is at the end of the game. Um, you know, ultimately, as as long as it ends in a in a W, that's that's all I care about. All right, so that's Josh Allen addressing the media here uh, after practice today, and had some interesting things to say about how much Tennessee disguises coverage. They forced you to change your typical rules because post snap, as the quarterback is surveying the defense, you may have safeties spinning the dial, rotating, whatever. And they, they tilt the field one way or the other where there might be a, what looks like an overload that would tell Josh to go somewhere else with the football, and then they'll, it's a disguise. So a lot of their late disguise, he has a lot of respect for those two safeties, including the veteran Kevin Byard, who seems to be among the league leaders in interceptions almost every single season because he is so crafty at disguising the right. looks that he sees this as a real challenge for him and he's thrown some picks against the Titans the last two times they've played. Well, it's as much of a problem that Poyer and Hyde are, so are the Tennessee safeties. And their head coach is a defensive guy as well. Uh, they take great pride in it. It's, it's going to be a tough game. Tennessee was the one seed last year, and it wasn't because of Derrick Henry. He was out for eight yeah. games, nine games. They're really good. Now, they're a different roster, but they've got a program going on. I, I am – the more you know, you can talk yourself into anything. I, I have a hard time talking myself into a Tennessee blowout win, but I can certainly see a Tennessee close win, a Buffalo close win, and I can kind of touch myself into a tennis and a Buffalo blowout. But that's hard. Yeah, I think this is going to be a tight game, and it's going to be there's going to be times late in this game where it could go either way. We've got the top market ratings for Bills Rams kickoff game. Not surprisingly, Bills number one television market a forty five rating. A 76 share, which means 76% of the TVs on in Buffalo were tuned to the game. We'll see you tomorrow at 1. More Bills practice updates right here.